Welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan, and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Mezcal Collective at Las Perlas, we had Corte Vetusto in the house. Some amazing Mezcal. Daniel Angiano was in the house to educate us and taste us through this wonderful line. We tried the Tobala, the Espadine, and the Ensemble, which is a blend of the Espadine and the Tobala. Incredible, magical juice from the lands of Oaxaca. Respect. Tell your friends about this podcast, and please enjoy it responsibly. That means don't drink the whole bottle by yourself. All right, all right. Wow, that guy's not in there, right? Welcome to the Mezcal Collective, everyone. Thanks for coming out tonight. In the house, we have Mr. Daniel Angiano, L.A. boy himself. Born and raised, right? Yeah, my name is Daniel Angiano, born and raised in L.A., Northeast, Highland Park. Born there. You want some vegan tacos, you can definitely get them there. I love bean tacos. And we're here to taste through the line of Corte Vetusto. We're doing a Espadine, an ensemble batch number two, one of the main reasons why we're here. And then we're doing a Tobala, all craft, small batch that we do here. So how long have you guys been on the market? Like, uh, you guys are a relatively new brand, yeah? Correct. Corte Vedusco started back in June. We launched it actually in June here. We did batch number one in Las Perlas. Yeah. So, and then it's been, we've been moving so quickly now that we're now actually in batch number two, which uh, we didn't see this coming so soon because... You know, batch number one, new, new brand coming to America, being in Los Angeles, California. And then people enjoyed it. People loved it. And now we're on to batch number two. See, that's what happens when you launch a brand in Southern California. It's quite possible that we're just going to drink all your mezcal like, <laughs> in like a week. Yeah, because when, when you talk about batches in the mezcal world, you're talking about a ton of work that only produces... I mean, what are your batch sizes? So, it's not that huge, right? Yeah, for perfect example, say when we when we decided that like we're going to launch a new brand, a new mezcal in, in the United States, uh, we chose Los Angeles. Obviously, we chose Los Angeles, being that we're really you know we're really focused towards tequila and mezcal drinkers here, and then we wanted to partner up with a really good team, being Las Perlas, and they do a really good collection here every week, uh, and we thought. Batch number one will be here. And then the first batch, we did about like 500 bottles um, per batch, especially the Ensemble and Tobala. Um, we're in batch number two, the Ensemble number two is actually has 360 bottles only worldwide. Okay, so this is why we're here in the Mezcal Collective, is to really understand how precious these Mezcals that are coming to market. It's no joke. And, and to create just 360 bottles... That actually takes like three or four guys, maybe a month, a month and a half to produce, right? Yes, it's that, a huge amount of work. You're actually, yeah, Pedro's spot on. So uh, for Corte Vitusco, it's actually a two-man team, uh, which is este Juan Carlos uh, Juan Carlos Gonzalez Diaz. He's the fourth-generation master distiller, and he has his, uh, his partner, which is Santiago. Um, it's, it's just pretty much a two-man crew there, but he does have a team when he gets the agave down from... You know, getting the stuff down, getting the agaves to the, the, the palenque. But once it hits the palenque, that's when it becomes a two-man team. Well, actually, three, we count his caballo, el payaso, which was stolen but recovered. <laughs> his horse is named Clown? They like, they like to mess around a lot over there. <laughs> so to understand what he's talking about, is it like 
uh, when you talk about mezcal, this is basically a lot of the mezcals that are coming to market are not farmed. You know, espadine at this point, people are farming, and there are people who are doing nurseries where they're doing starts of some of the other more rare varietals of, of agaves. But really, for the most part, all the mezcal that we're getting on the market right now is wildcrafted, meaning they're harvesting it in the wild or in what's community-owned community owned wild wildlands. Correct. So like the, the first one we're doing, we're doing the Corte Vedusco Espinine, 100% Espinine. Uh, and this is the part which we... You which cultivate actually, these? You cultivate actually, these? no, we, this is the part where we, we, we do get them from uh, different uh, different different places. But the part where it makes us different is what the, the technique from the palenque all the way to the distilling part. Because we do everything by, by handcrafted, slow process, which, which Pedro came around saying it takes about four weeks to five weeks, six weeks if the, during the weather, during fermentation time. Uh, if it's a colder weather, it takes a little longer during fermentation. If it's hotter, then it'll take a little you know, shorter time period there. Because you guys are, are not adding any yeast to the tinas where the fermentation is happening? Do you add yeast or is it just all natural yeast? Correct. We used to do all natural yeast. So whatever wind, whatever the wind blows in through the distillery, through the so in our in their distillery, Juan Carlos distillery, he let's, uses. Let's let's amend this conversation a little bit. Yeah. When you say distillery, it's really a tiny palinque. Correct. Know? Like when I say distillery, I'm talking about his his distill is produces about 350 liters. Yeah. Like, so this still this is like, you, could, about, you could put your arms around it. Correct. That's like, how small the still is. You could hug it. Yeah, Don't do that while the still is running. You'll have a very bad experience. Correct. So, so our his still is like about 350 liters still copper steel, uh, and then from there he also has a little clay steel, which is produced at 70 liters. Um, but the, so you're using copper stills and clay stills. Correct. We use copper and clay stills for our, for our, for our three expressions. And then you blend them. So for the the one we're having today, the the espanin, we actually do double distilled in copper. So during the fermentation and loves the, the the natural air, natural yeast that comes through the through the distillery through it through his through his branch right there. When he's distilling, he loves having the smaller still being 350 liters. The the the, the reaction he gets because it's smaller, he can actually control the temperature because he still does it everything there by wood still. So there's no like propane coming through. It's just him the distill and then the wood coming in to control it. So true kind of ancestral style, or at least artisanal, very much an artisanal mezcal. Correct. Like, he's literally there days in, nights in, just in and out, looking at his still, make sure the still is producing what he's looking for, the interaction, what he's looking for. And when you're uh -huh. using a wood fire, because the distillation process, you have to be very careful not to go too hot. If you go too hot, then you're going to be boiling water off. You're trying to take that mezcal wine that you've created and only boil the alcohol off. So it has to be a controlled fire. You can't just like rage it up and step away. Yeah. It's to be a slow fire that you really keep a close eye on. That's correct. So one thing he wanted to do is a controlled fire at low, pretty much at a really low temperature. And he's trying to get, because one thing about the Corte Pedusco is he's very proud of not adding water to the product. So what you have in here is actually the mezcal is at distill proof because uh, he does not like to add water to the product. So wow. the espadine that you're having right now, it's actually a higher proof because he, once it's distilling and he puts it aside, he rectifies it together to see a good combination of certain ABV. So his alcohol percentage on per batch that you're looking at is about between 42 to 44% alcohol. 
which is a lot higher than most brands out there in Espanol, which is 40%. He's really proud. They're really proud of having, knowing that they don't add water to their product. He's using his own distills, or the own, his own juice to combine it to make a final product at about 42 to 40% per batch. So a lot of times when you have a mezcal, it'll be at 80 proof. But what he's saying is that they're going to use like the, the heads and the tails. Correct. They're going to use the tails to proof it to the right yeah, flavor. To, yeah, exactly. So at the proof, it says at 44 or even 45 or 46. So use some of the tail and he keeps tasting the, 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 the mezcal, the, the spinning finish to figure out at what point does he find it perfect for him? Yeah, so stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. Like, because it's a little bit higher proof, you might just smell fire, but that just means you're going too fast. So slow it down. Stephanie, what are you getting on the nose on this? Rubber, so a phenolic quality. Beautiful. And what kind of wood are you using to, um, to fire the stills? Pretty much what you're using there is mostly just your common Firewood, which would be like your pine and stuff like that. Like scrub pretty, oak from Oaxaca. Yeah, correct. Just pretty much your, your, your for the this when he's just um, during the process of the still, he uses his, his own like just your random wood per se, but mostly pine and stuff but like that. What kind of wood did he cook the agave oh, with? So this is the this is probably the best part. So when he cooks the agave, he uses a mixture. He pretty much uses mostly mesquite wood in it. So when you have that, you have that mesquite, right? But the good thing is that what he does is. So let me see if I can walk you through the process to understand what he's trying to do from the beginning. So imagine the guy already came down, the maguey already came down. It's through, it's been crushed, it's been fermentation. The, the, the batch is finished, right? But during the distilling time, he uses the agaves into the distill. And then that, that'll, those agaves is called bagasso. From that bagasso, he uses it to cover the, the wood, which is the mystique wood that he uses to give it that softer note of the wood, of the, of the smoke. He's not trying to put too much smoke onto the agave, the oh, espinina agave. Everyone's got their own method. That's cool. Yeah, so what he uses, so he puts, he has his palenque, he has, puts his volcano rocks all the way around. Then he puts his firewood there, right? Then he uses his last batch, bagasso, that was actually in the distill. With this, it was in the distill for both the clay and the copper. Grabs all the stuff that was in there, puts it down as a looks like clay like clay and fibers in it and he lays it down on top of the firewood then from there he puts the agaves on it so again right now we are doing espanin but he does it for the topalan he does it for the ensemble he does it for every every single product he does because he wants the smoke to come through but the key thing that he wants is not to burn the agave because certain people certain companies when you when you do the palenque like when you see the agave it kind of look dark or burn his look like caramel M&M's, really. Like, it's like, that's all, that's all brown. The look like, like caramel M&M's. And that's one of the main reasons why the smoke comes through, but it's not overbearing smoke in this, in this uh, Espanin. That's really cool. So, and this is to understand, like, before this mezcal came to market, this guy traditionally for several generations was just making mezcal for his village. You know, no one had come there yet and be like, hey, I got an idea. Let's, I'll buy everything that you can make. Just make it for me and we'll have deadlines. No, no, no. This was like the medicina of the village. He was providing just for the people that were local. Yeah, so what, So he's a fourth generation master distiller. And one of the cool things about him was, like, like Pedro said, he was doing it for the village. And he was also selling it to your random bars and 
pretty much bars and restaurants in Mexico City. Like that was his. That was pretty much his. His trade would be, in in Mali, where he's from is Malita, Jalita, Malita, Oaxaca, and then he also will sell in, in DF. So that's what pretty wow. much will come back and forth from there. That was pretty much the only markets that he will be producing at that time until they came to America in June. So this first one, this is 100% espadín. There's 100% espadín. No added, there's no additives, nothing in it, no water. It's just 100% espadín in it. And in the world of mezcal, espadín is what we can consider kind of a sustainable agave uh, because you can't cultivate it in a, in a farm-like setting. You can grow it in rows. And some of the wild varietals don't do well in that situation, but Espadine does. So if you're looking to, like, if you love Mezcal and you want to be able to kind of sustain this enjoyment, you need to be a little choosy about what you drink every day. If you're going to drink Mezcal every day, I would say choose an Espadine. Find your favorite Espadine, and that's what you sip on. If you want to have a special occasion, then branch out and do some other varietals. But this should be your kind of daily sipper. So what are you guys getting? As you tap this over your tongue, what's, what are you reminded of? What's your experience? So it's, yeah, share some food words. What does it taste like? Any thoughts? Pears. Pears. All right. I, I get a minerality here too. I get like a little slate. I get that pear vibe for sure. You definitely also, taste the minerals. something very green like cedar. What were you saying? Maple, that's great. That's great. But this is not aged at all. Sometimes when you get a note like maple, that would indicate that maybe it's in a, coming from a barrel. But this, this mezcal is not barreled. It's not aged at all. It's been maybe rested in the bottle. But yeah, it literally distilled, left in the still tank, and then from there, it gets, we just, from there we just bottled it from there. And how big was this batch? You said 360 liters for I the mean, entire world? The, the, the best thing about the Espadine, we put each, we put each bottle's numbers on the label. So... Um, P, what's how many balls were in this benin here? Uh, 870. 870 bottles were produced worldwide. Wow. For this espadine that we're having right now. I drink more bottles than that in a year. That's a joke, guys. Come on, come on. I looked at you and I'm like, ah, I, I, I expect a little bit more. <laughs> I'm like, you're kind of you're like, you're, you're bigger than I am. I'm like, what too? Come on. I thought I didn't get my number. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. <laughs> so what do you guys think of this espadine? We had some, some flavor notes. You guys like this? Easy sipper? Not too crazy. So you said it's about 84, 86 percent? Yeah, correct. This one's about 42% ABV on this one, 43. Just depending on what he thinks that the, 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 at that moment is the perfect. Oh, yeah. I get that rubbery note. But I also get some plum. Dude, it, like dark red I, fruits. Delicious. Yeah, when it tastes like I really thought you get that 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 minerals that the fresh the fresh I, for me personally I think it's more like fresh fruit, a lot of fresh fruit. Oh yeah, I'm getting like watermelon on the finish. That's crazy. What are you guys getting back there? Share your opinions. This is a community forum. There are no wrong answers. What are piney, you getting? Piney, piney, right, right again. Very cedar, grassy, piney, grassy, beautiful. Chili pepper. Chili pepper. Ah, some spice. A little bit, a little bit of that, little that, 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 that salt in there anybody else what are you guys getting back there victor what are you getting green pepper green pepper, green pepper. roasted bell pepper is that, is that okay all right all right that's beautiful so so how many days does he roast the agaves for this espadine expression so the whole process that he does juan carlos is a really great process so from when he's starting this palenque the average time for when he's cooking in the in his palenque 
you're looking at about five to seven days. So again, he uses the mesquite wood in the bottom. Then he uses last batches bagasso, which is literally the fibers from the fermentation, from the agaves yeah, fermentation. It's like the waste product from the, the pretty much the waste product. Yeah. He's very one of the very few people that uses the actual fibers during fermentation. Like after you crush it, usually it goes to the fermentation tank just to juice. What he does is takes everything to the wooden tanks, and then from there he takes everything to the distill to the distill. Then from there, whatever's then whatever's in the distill, he uses that the basago onto the next batch, which is the palenque in the palenque to cover up the wood. And then when he you know when it's nice and hot, he puts some agaves on it, and that's where he lasts about five to seven days there. And then again, he puts it there and he covers it up again and cooks it there in that, that nice caramel color that he's looking for, not to be overburned, just perfect color. Beautiful. And then. How many days you say to, uh, to, to get there? He's looking about five to seven days. Again, that just depends on the weather. If it's too hot, if it's too cold, it just it just depends on the weather there. Okay, so I'm trying to get the picture. It's five to seven days of roasting, and then how long is it fermenting? Once he adds water and throws it all in the so so, so so the cool thing is after after he cooks it there, he takes it to his tohana. Uh, um, he does everything. He crushes it there with a the tohana. So that's where the, his his third partner is, el payaso. Uh, which goes around the tohana and just crushes it all the time. Thank you. Thanks. So you just so during that time he takes the the after after it's been cooked for the week there in the palenque, he takes it to the tohana. He uses uh, his horse as a payaso, his third partner in crime, and that's when he crushes it. Gets it nice and all the juice, gets the fibers out, get everything he's looking for there, and then from there he takes it to the wooden tanks for fermentation. During the fermentation time. Depending if it's super hot, super cold, or just right, it can last anywhere between really about, like you're talking about four days to seven days. It just depends if it's if it's a warmer day, then it'll take a little, it'll take a little less. If it's a, if it's a nice cold day or colder day, it'll be there a little longer. All right. And then again, he uses the wooden tanks for fermentation, natural yeast that comes through it. So he doesn't, he doesn't have to add yeast to, for a finished product that he's trying to finish at the end because there's enough naturally occurring yeast in the air that it'll ferment as slowly but slowly. it will ferment it'll get there yeah correct he believes the process should be nice and slow and have it through all the way so when you taste that we taste uh the next expression we have right now is the uh, ensemble number two you'll, you'll see why he does everything slow so you just give that one a try and see what you're trying to get there but i'll explain why he does this this slow process so Stephanie and Bambino just came around with the second expression. We only have three marks tonight, so I want you to savor the flavor. Take your time, guys. So stick your nose in the glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. And Daniel, can you explain what's an ensemble for someone who has no idea? Awesome. So it's an ensemble of different agaves that producers use. Like Juan, a, blend, a blend. A blend. It's a blend. Juan Carlos, for this batch number two that we're having right now, he only uses three different types of agave or maguez um, that he uses. He uses 33% espadín, 33% tobala, and 34% uh, madre kush on oh this. Oh, my God. You just gave away the recipe. We're going to be able to do this ourselves at home. Yes, it's written on the label. And it's written on the label as well. So, so, so the cool thing about what we do is we put – the cool thing about Juan Carlos, what he does, is he puts everything on the label. He tries to put – Tries to be as transparent as possible for the consumer. We he believes and we believe that transparency will help the consumers learn what they're drinking, what they're gonna have. You know, people in our generation want to know what we're consuming. So we believe and he believes that being as transparent as possible 
works out perfect. So what we're having here is that is a mixture of three different agaves that's on the label, and he just he also tells of how he does it and why he does it as well. So the one you have in here is actually uh, the same process, but then distilled in a still in a copper still, and then finished in that seventy liter clay. That's which, so cool. Which again, that seventy liter clay is pretty much unheard of because again, a lot of people don't use it. That's a fat clay still right there. Yeah, it literally looks like me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the seventy liter clay still it's 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 the the reaction he's looking for is in that clay still so yeah give it a try see what you guys think or yeah stick your nose in the glass breathe in gently through your mouth what are you guys getting share your opinion what are you guys getting back there as you as you smell this mezcal so there's a big difference say again it's earthy so there's a big difference between a copper still and a clay still like a copper still the copper itself has sulfates in it, which will pull the sulfides out of the vegetal matter that you're boiling in your distillate. But clay doesn't do that, so you're going to get a lot more like sulfury notes. It's going to be earthy. It's and if you're finishing, that's very unusual to start it in the clay pot still and finish in a clay still. To me, I would like start it. My intuition would be like start it in the clay still, finish in the copper still. Yeah, but that's really cool. Yeah, he did the he did the opposite. He went with clay still first, finishing that copper, and then because being a in a seventy liter copper still, and again having that flame really low, he's able to control the the amount of the amount of ABV coming out there. So because he's doing it at seventy liters, he's literally like having like little little batches of, of the new make coming out. And then from there, he does the head and tails to see where it's at. So again, what you have in here, it's an ensemble that's never been touching water, just all natural. And when you taste it, you feel those, you feel that 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 natural ingredients in there. So what's what's the proof on this one? Uh, actually, this should should be about forty two or even forty three percent on this one. It's like very light comparative. Uh, I you know, certain people think distilled proof. They think. 43.5, thank you. So about 87 proof, 88 proof in there. Um, yeah. So to understand, though, like a lot of people like to theorize that like distillation was brought to Mexico from Europe. And clearly, when you see a clay pot still, you realize that that's total bullshit. The indigenous people of Mexico did, or what is now Mexico, did not need the conquistadors to come over and show them how to distill. They were using clay pot stills to make alcohol for thousands of years. As the Toltecs and the Aztecs after them were probably doing at least a low wine distillation for their ceremonial and ritualistic, um, you know, ceremonies. And the, the whole idea that distillation was brought from Europe is just kind of ridiculous because anyone can make a clay pot still. It's not hard, you know. You can go down to your local, like, Pottery barn, or whatever, just, yeah, like, just do it make, yourself. Make a little home, you know. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be able to rock and roll there. Um, but what do you guys think about the uh, batch number two and somebody there? Share some flavor notes. Any, what any, do you guys any, get? Any thoughts? Any? So if you if you're smelling something fruity, try to identify the fruit. If you're smelling something sweet, like what gradient of sweetness is it? Is it powdered sugar or is it molasses? And where or where in between? Is it brown sugar? Is it uh, maple syrup? Bart, what are you getting? Moss, so like lichen, like a deep green note. I love that. I love that. Cajeta? 
So cajetas, it's like, like a cookie. It's a cajetas. It's a cajetas like more like a like a like a. It's, it's like a caramel. Yeah, there's two. Oh, okay. You can do two versions of cajeta. You can do cajeta de, de leche or you can do cajeta de gold. So cooked sugar. The chivo. Just depends. De leche. Cajeta de leche. I think that's the best part. You know, like these 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 aromas. You just get random. To me, random I flavors. get the, I get a little peppery note, and I get the, that minerality, right. almost like gravel, but in a very pleasant way. Mm. And then when I tap it over my tongue, let's see what happens here. Well, now it's fruity on my tongue. My nose gets the mineral aspects, but my tongue picks up the fruit. I am getting like a little pineapple, lemon, and like red chili on this. I noticed that his his expressions are really more towards the light side of fruit. And then then out of nowhere, it just gives hints of dark, like darker flavors out of randomly in there. But I think that's just a mixture of the maybe from the clay. Nice. Still there. Stephanie, did you try did you try this number two? Oh my goodness, she's working too hard. Take a moment to enjoy that, my dear. So this is batch number two. How many bottles did you get off of this batch? So the cool thing about this one for batch number two for the Insomni, he only did 360 bottles for this batch. Wow. Worldwide, that's it. California only got about 120 bottles in California. And we have two of them in this room right now. Oh, that's only only 120. And we already and we are literally smashing two tonight. So I think I think I think two out of 360, I think that's a I think that's a pretty good. So I think to, it's a good Yeah, to put that in perspective, you guys are getting to drink some of the most rare spirits in the world. Yeah. Currently available in the market. So so she already shot it. You're like having you're having drinkers regret. So usually save that for the hangover love. It's like so, All right, take so, your time. Savor it. So what, what we'd like to do, again, that, that whole transparency and what Juan Carlos loves to do and Dave Shepard is uh, it's knowing the information is out there for you, for you guys as the consumers. We believe that consumers have the ability to see a label, the product, may not know it, but you've heard of it, and the information is there for you guys. Uh, you know, that means a lot towards us, towards, towards the ability to know that we are trying to be as honest as possible for you guys so there shouldn't be any questions about what you guys drinking like we want you guys have a good time drinking this without any questions asked because you know we're trying to do the best the best to our abilities to give you the best product as possible yeah corte vetusto so if i was going to buy a bottle of the corte vetusto for my home bar what would this run me uh so the espanin you're looking about like 70 dollars but the Ensemble and the Topolan, you're looking at about like 120 a bottle. Again, being that's, again, the whole smaller batches. Again, if you think about it, a, 360 bottles for $120 doesn't seem that bad. No, it's crazy. I, I don't even know how you have a job. If, if, if. My I boss mean, says I, it all day. Oh, I don't mean it like that. I mean, like, how is the company able to survive after... After all that work, to only have 360 bottles, and you're only charging $120 a bottle, how does that sustainable? How does um, that work? So, and that's again. So for the for the ensemble, a good, a good example would be the ensemble. He does different batches to see what agaves is available for per batch. So batch one had three, four different agaves. This one had three different agaves. Batch number three will have totally different types of different agaves that he's gonna have. So. It just varies of what he has at that moment, and make sure the agave is matured and perfect at that at that point. But yeah, the price point for what it is, it's really it's, rare and exquisite. Yeah. Really, really nice, easy sipper. I really love this batch number two. 
What'd you think? Sweet? What kind of sweetness? Like a dense sweetness or is it an earthy sweetness? How would you describe it? So, um, so I guess before we go on to uh, expression number three, do you guys have any questions? Any, any questions about the product or the way we distill or the way we do the process of our, of our, of our, our, of the product at the end or even about the horse? No, so ensemble number one actually had four different agaves. So it's very similar to the one we had, which was uh, Tobalan, Espadin, and Madre Kush. But the first one had Tobalan, Espadin, Madre Kush, and Coyote. That's the coyote. fourth one. So the Thank first you, batch Bambino. had Coyote. We got Bambino. He's got our back. He, always, he knows you. more than I do. Thank you. Thank you, Bambino. Um, that one, you can still find it in certain locations. But you can, you can, you can taste it here. And you can find it in, again, you can find it in uh, Mission Liquors. Uh, um, yeah, it's still around. No, no. The batch number one just came in June, and then this literally came in October, late October. So this is brand new into the market. We like to taste people, consumers, batch the, the bat, before the batch like hits the hits the market, just so people can taste what's out there before it gets into the you know your 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 retailers. But yeah. Yeah. So. Batch number two, batch number one is still the same thing. So distilled in, distilled in copper and then finished in the clay. So yeah, same thing. Same thing all the way across. That's brilliant. But so I, I kind of get it now that I'm thinking about it. If you do the first run through a copper no, no, still for and then a second run through a clay pot still, it won't be too sulfury because the copper pot will take the sulfur aspects out of the distillate and the clay pot will give you that minerality as kind of a finish. It makes sense to me now. I was puzzled at first, but now I get it. So we now have our third mark, the last mark of this evening in front of you now. So um, what is this one, Daniel? Uh, we are doing now is 100% Tobala. This one is um, same process, same everything. It's just using Tobala agaves. So when you, when you nose this and you taste this, you're going to be... I don't know. You got to tell me what flavors you guys get? I, no, I gotta, hold on, hold on. I want to talk a little bit about the varietal itself because like the, the Tobala is, is like, when we talk about Espadine, Espadine means like the sword. It's like these big spiky plants with the pina under the ground is like big enough to wrap your arms around. It's like bigger than a, than a gallon jug. They're kind of big. But the whole Tobala, it's smaller than a pineapple. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's this beautiful kind of rosette that you look down at, it's like this beautiful fractal kind of spiral plant. No, the Tobala is like the queen of the agaves. It's like this precious, beautiful plant that only grows in the shade of the Mexican scrub oak, basically. It's a very sensitive plant. So you'll see like this weird scrub oak, but you'll see this like tiny plant. And sometimes it grows on like the side of a cliff. Yeah, it's like hanging it's just... off. But it's super rare. So the, so the caballeros who are going out harvesting these agaves, like maybe they'll find a tobala and then they'll be like looking around and they might not see another tobala for like meters and meters and meters. They're like they have to, they'll see a little speck of green on the horizon and they'll head over there on their horse yeah. and like go check it out and they'll be like, yes, right, it, it extremely hard to gather these rare, rare tobala. Yeah, the tobala sure. right now that we have is 100% tobala. Again, the rarity of where it comes from and where it's where, where you actually get it again, it's, it has to be from the hillside in the dark it, again the, if you're lucky enough you'll find two within walking distance but usually you find them within a horse ride 
yeah, they're crazy. And to understand that, like, this is communally owned land. The, the way that the land is shared in Mexico goes back to, like, the agrarian reforms of the 30s. And so it's shared land. You can harvest things off of the public forest, so to speak. Yeah. But you have to do community service in order to kind of pay for your take back. You have to give back in order to take. So it's the whole community, the whole country owns this land and you can harvest off it but you have to give back give and back. you have to plant again. again yeah so it's like you take one and kind of like it's like one and a half or maybe two kind you of you have to and, plant two but the thing is it's a it's a sketchy market because of that because you don't always know if it's going to take just because you plant it doesn't mean, mean it's going to survive correct the beautiful thing about these plants is like the tobala it might be 15 years old and only about as big as a pineapple and all the flavor, all the character of what you enjoy in this mezcal is from that plant that no one watered ever, no one tried to take care of ever. It's a wild plant that grew in the high mountains of Oaxaca, not under very much shade at all. I mean, I couldn't survive in that kind of environment. I would be a dried up skeleton. But somehow these beautiful descendants of, I guess they're partially related to water lilies from back in the day, it's crazy. At any rate, what you're getting is the full character of this singular plant that survived in the desert on its own for 15 years. It then got harvested, roasted, and then distilled Nailed for them. you. It's yeah. such an incredible process to think that all that work and all that time went into just 360 bottles. You guys are experiencing something that's exquisite and rare. So please take your time with this. Stick your nose in the glass. Breathe in gently to your mouth. What comes to mind? What are you getting? Green apple. Green apple. Bam! Both of you guys said the same thing at the same you guys? time. No, you didn't. No, you guys said the same thing at the same time. I'm sorry. Cacao. 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 So like that bitter chocolate. I love that. I love that. And it's possible that there are cacao trees around. It's Beautiful. Vinny Carmela, yeah, you definitely Vin taste that. What are you getting? The Lucas candy? I know the Lucas candy. It's like that, 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 that. It's like that spicy, it's like, it's like a weird spice. It's like a chili, like a spicy chili with lemon. Oh, 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 so like a spicy tamarind kind of vibe? Or is, is it is chili on tamarind? Or spicy mango, maybe? Like chili mango? I don't know. I don't know the Lucas candy. You have to tell me. Tamarind. I think, I thought it was, she was talking about like, Chili like, and tamarind, that's beautiful. Probably like a little bit of tamarindo. Stephanie, what are you getting? The like, same thing? Like a little bit of like tamarindo? Stephanie's like putting those thoughts in my mind right now. Is that what's happening? Yeah, slight saltiness, some chili, tamarind, like a, a sour. What else? So now tap it over your tongue. Sometimes your nose will lead you in one direction uh, yeah. and your tongue will take you in another. That's okay. It's great to be surprised. It's great to change your mind about something. That's true. So like tap that. it over your tongue. What's going on? Take a little taste. What do you guys think? Wow. Ooh, that's so good. Bart, what do you get? Ham. Ham. It's got a really interesting... It's like... It's got a spiky tongue for me. It's like... I, it's really young. It's really yeah, fresh. I definitely get the freshness. I've definitely got that little, like tamarindo style and and, and that part. Um, oh my god! You definitely taste the minerals, minerals in that. This is a magical little mezcal here. It's like this is, 
my head just, my hair just stood up a little bit. Oh, I only had one sip, and I'm already feeling different. That's, that's yeah, I, I know what you mean, I know what you mean. So this is the medicina. Traditionally, these tiny ancestral palinques would have been providing the medicina, literally what they would use to heal up infected wounds, what they would use in the villages to, like, you know, when someone's having a baby, it's like, it's your local disinfectant. They didn't have, like, a CVS where you could go get some rubbing alcohol, right? This palinque was... Was, was your, was your pharmacy. Medicina. Yeah. Was your it's pharmacy. true. We drank it, but... Well, they... they uh, we, I wasn't there, but... Um, <laughs> they would drink it, but they would also use it for medicinal purposes. So this is, like, a spirit of the people meant to preserve and enrich the lives of the people. Yeah, and correct. And, and we'll, we'll, what Peter's saying right now is totally true. Like I said, the whole, the whole for the people, what he's trying to do again, Juan Carlos again, he is trying to do, create something back that has been doing it for years and not really change anything. All he's trying to do is keep the same tradition. And again, just change a little bit of style of his way he does it, finishes. But the tradition-wise, he's trying to keep everything as original as possible being a fourth generation master distiller being doing it for ages he, he wow. knows what he wants to do and wants people to taste wow this is amazing stuff so how much does a bottle of this tobala cost again for the tobala it's going to be the same thing as a then some that you're looking about like 130 to 140 wow. again again and how big was this batch um how big is batch number uh this double i think it's like i should this one should probably hit around 44 but let me Whoa, double check. 44 bottles? Oh, no, no. Sorry. I'm talking about the ABV there. Oh. Uh, Bottles-wise was... 360 as well. Woo! Only 360 so, bottles oh. were created. So. And we are sharing this moment together, experiencing together this super rare and beautiful and valuable spirit, magical mezcal. Yeah, correct. Like I said, the, the, between the Tobala and Ensemble, you're looking at... 360 bottles, the uh, Espanine, you're looking at, I think we said about 800, 850 bottles, I think that came yeah. out. So again, wow. if you look at it in the large scale, in, in, in the scale of, of, of production, that's pretty much almost as small as you can get, like realistically. <laughs> like you, that's that's as small as the production as you can get. And again, and, and we're, we are proud of being that small and doing what we do. Because again, when you taste this and you feel what he's trying to do and create what he's trying to do, you feel what he's trying to give you give the consumers and give what he can can as a taste wise you know and that 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 means a lot towards him like he wants you to taste the naturalness of what he and the his artisanal and process the ancestral way exactly of doing dude because again he's learning for he's learning from you know he's the fourth generation so he's done it before his you know parents and grandparents and his so abuelos cool, have done it so wow. he's not really changing the game you're just doing it the same and you can taste it on your and and, and these spirits and, these and the only way that these companies will be able to scale up is by doing a horizontal growth correct if you were to make a bigger still and produce more spirit it would not taste like this at all the only way to do these artisanal mezcals is to scale sideways meaning that like i'm going to replicate that little tiny copper still and i'm going to replicate that fat little clay still and do more of them but you couldn't do the same. You would not get this spirit from a bigger still. It's not possible. The character comes from that ancestral artisanal method. Correct. And that's why he chose those type of styles of, you know, the size of the stills. 350 liters, not a lot. 70 liters is not a lot at all. Again, that's 
it's not much at all. But and it's uh, such a deep part of Oaxacan culture. Do you know what the village is where he's making this? Yeah, he's making it in Milta, uh, Oaxaca. It just just um, Why, from Oaxaca. You told just, me that. I'm sorry, I forgot. Just up, just up the road, uh, like about. It's the Mezcal. Far the road, like about like, 35, 45 minutes, maybe an hour or something like that. It's been a while. Do you get um, to go down there? Did you get to go down there? Uh, I have only been down there for with my mom. It's a great time. That's sweet. My mom, my dad, vacation. Holiday. The food in Oaxaca is amazing. Did you get to go to their house and like they made you some caldo or something uh, awesome? You know what? We went to uh, this pueblo up there up north uh, about two and a half hours away from Oaxaca, actually. So we just stopped by on the way back. But we were hanging out with uh, Las Fiestas up there and, and uh, that small town up there. Uh, family friend from Oaxaca. Yeah, like the people of Oaxaca are so welcoming. Like, they might not have much in terms of what here in America we think of as wealth, but they're so amazing. You show up and they're like, they're definitely going to feed you. They will definitely offer that you could stay there. That's true. And even if they don't have, like, beds for you, you can sleep on the floor. Like, they will take the best care of you. They're, like, the most beautifully hospitable people in the world. It's incredible. Yeah, so when it was down there, it was a great time, great people. Can't, can't say one bad thing about, you know, other Except I wish I had more food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Does uh, anyone have any questions for Daniel? Any questions? About any questions the Corte Vetusto. Corte Vetusto, Mezcal. No? Any questions? We're all good. You guys enjoyed it? Have a good time? Yeah. Right. yeah. Do we like it? Do we like enjoy it? it? It did not suck. Right? <laughs> you guys, let's give it up for Daniel right. Aguiano. Daniel Aguiano. Thank you, guys. Thanks for everybody. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Pedro. Thank you for everybody. Oh, we love having you in. Please come back again with the we'll next do. batch. We'll, well, you guys, your batches are so small. I think we need to have you in here about every three months. Again, I think we'll, uh, I'll speak to Pete, and apparently batch number three will probably be in around Feb or March. All right. Yeah, Can we do a handshake deal for uh, all these we'll people? Hey. You'll be back. You'll be I, back. We'll be, we're doing it. We'll doing it. All said. right. I love we'll it, man. It. Cheers, I man. Love, I love the fact that you're an L.A. guy here bringing this spirit up from Mexico and like sharing something that's uh, your heart and soul. No, thank you, man. Thanks for the support. Thanks for everything. Yeah. Cheers, Cheers. you guys. Thanks for coming out from Mezcal Collective. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. 